Hi, I'm Lena Carlson, and welcome to EUEPSO CEO Playbook. I'm here with my co-host and the founder of EUEPSO, Oliver Aust. Hi, I'm Oliver Aust. I'm the CEO of EUEPSO Communications, and Lena and I have been hosting a podcast called Speak Like a CEO over 32 weeks, which you hopefully are familiar with, where we interview guests. But for the coming weeks, we've thought of something else. This is a new 10-part audio series where we dive into CEO communications. We'll be covering a range of topics, including strategy, campaigning, and digital thought leadership. For our very first episode, we want to explore the foundations of CEO communications and why it is such an important topic. We strongly believe that no company can be truly successful in the long run without treating communications as a priority. And it all starts with the CEO. So, Oliver, you're used to being on the interview side, right? right. Where you get to find out all about what other CEOs <laughs> are doing. Now I want to know what you're interested in. So a few rapid-fire questions. Sure. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Early or late, do you work better? Early. Who's your biggest inspiration? Hannah Arendt. Who is that? Oh, it's, um, it's a political th- scientist, theorist, uh, a Jewish immigrant uh, going to New York in, in the 1940s, fleeing from the Nazis, who wrote some uh, very insightful and seminal books about uh, the 20th century. Wow. What's the most used app on your phone? Uh, Threema. Do you prefer Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Uh, today, Instagram, I have to say. <laughs> we'll get into that. And what's one thing on your bucket list? Uh, spending a summer by the beach in a beautiful house with lots of people, uh, having a really good time. Sounds achievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we've been used to speaking to other CEOs, as we said. Um, for the next couple of weeks, we want to really get into the topic of CEO communications on more of a, I guess, a theoretical and a practical level, yeah. would you say? Yeah, absolutely. So we look at the theory, and the, but, but it should also be a really practical and complete guide to communicating at the highest level. So it's for CEOs, it's for executives, it's for communications professionals, but it's really for anyone who wants to make an impact in the world. And uh, after the podcast, we want to turn it into a book. Why do you think this is such a hot topic at the moment? I think communication is really essential. Um, if you want to uh, build a great company, if you want to lead a team, if you want to further a cause, or really just doing anything exciting in the world. So I, my, my personal passion, I want everyone to do really well and also to communicate really well, because I think that's the key to you know, successful life, successful career and happiness in life. So Oliver, why do you think people should listen to this? Why do you think people should care about CEO communications? Yeah, I I think it's not just for CEOs, it's really for everyone, everyone who wants to promote a cause, everyone who has dreams, desires, aspirations. Um, I mean, let's face it, we all need communications and we use it in our everyday lives, um, you know, to to achieve whatever we are dreaming of. And uh, this is really a practical guide to help people on that journey. I couldn't agree more with that. And it kind of goes back to that kind of, you know, like fake it till you make it or... Um, you know, follow what your role models are doing, right? Like nobody's aspiring to, you know, communicate poorly. So you may as well, I guess, shoot for the stars and try and learn to communicate the way someone that has like a 5 million person company does, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also fun. So it's it's extremely useful, but it's also good fun. And uh, it, it helps in, in every interaction in life. If we understand the principles and the practicalities of communicating well at the highest level, it opens so many doors. It, it allows us to achieve so many things and also to have great fun and great conversation. I mean, deep, meaningful conversations are one of the beautiful, most beautiful things in life, I think. And, you know, it's it's something we have to learn. It's something, you know, the art of rhetoric is, is called the art of rhetoric for a reason, but but it's more than rhetoric. It's obviously conversations, it's persuasion, it's following your dreams. So to all of that in my mind, communications holds the key. So where should people start then? 
I think people should start at uh, asking why this is important. We're going to go into that in a moment, but also how do you actually achieve it? So I think today we're going to look in this first part more uh, in terms of the theory behind it, and then all the other ones will be about the practicalities. We're going to talk about the media, we're going to talk about strategy, about digital strategies, about how do you deal with a critical situation in your personal life or, or you know, crisis in business. So all of these things that people encounter, we want to look at, and, and as, as we said, it's, it's a deep dive. So it's not not going to scratch the surface. It's not going to be a, a quick blog post. So this is really the essence of uh, you know decades of experience in this field and working at the highest level. And I hope people will enjoy it and people get something out of it. But I really do think it's for everyone. I love that. I think the practical aspect will be super useful for anyone listening, probably for us as well. Um, let's really get into it then. Yeah, let's... <laughs> <laughs> So I, th I think it's really important today, and uh, we, let's talk about CEO communications for a moment and then sort of look at what that means mm -hmm. for all the other parts. First of all, it's critical to business success because the leader in an organization really drives the values, really drives the reputation and the brand. And those are today crucial drivers of the bottom line. Basically, the bottom line depends on it. Reputation, at the end of the day, is the difference between your company being a mere commodity and bolstering your brand's trust cachet in the market. And that's been interesting survey which we found that 82% of respondents do trust the brand more if the CEO and the leadership team are on social media. So it's really about being seen, being heard, getting the attention, only then people will trust you. That's a crazy statistic, 82%. And I'm trying to think like of all the companies that I like and trust, their CEOs are definitely super present. Like take Richard yeah. Branson, for example. You know, he totally. has a crazy like social media presence. People quote him all the time. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a Do you have a particular one in mind that you like? Yeah, I mean, Branson is, is a good example. Also, Elon Musk. Uh, you know, sure. if you look at Elon Musk and uh, like Jack Dorsey of Twitter, these people even becoming lifestyle and style icons. I mean, they have like millions of fanboys. So they use social media to um, promote promote the business, but also promote themselves, but also the things they believe in. You know, whether it's changing the energy supply of the world. Or or, you know, just, you know, uh, nutrition or whatever it may be. So they're really becoming sort of rock stars of the age and not saying everyone should be a rock star. But what's, what I found interesting about this finding is that you wouldn't expect it because we do not equate social media with trust. Um, I think we've been taught that and, and, and read about um, social media. We can't trust it. Uh, it's not trustworthy. Okay, not everything on social media is trustworthy for sure. However, um, if you can't be found on social media, people cannot build trust. It's so, an interesting insight yeah. there, right? Like it's really like a backhanded um, compliment or something there where right. you're, like it can hurt you, but you absolutely have to have it. So it's time to put some thought into what you're going to do with that. It, it's a platform and you can use it for bad and you can build it for good, you know, use it for good. So you build trust or you can diminish trust. So it's how you use it, not, you know, not the fact that social media as such may not be the most trustworthy source. So you can stand out, you can build trust in it. And I think it's essential for anyone who, you know, wants to be leader of an organization or lead a team, you know, that you're out there and be seen. I'm sure there's a lot of CEOs that are out there that are very into their very specific industries or topics, but maybe really haven't thought a lot about communication and certainly think it's not their thing. You know, that's something their head of comms or marketing or PR can do. Um, do you think even for these people that don't consider themselves great communicators that it's a skill that they can learn? 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it can be learned and it has to be learned because we usually are born with that skill. We are born with our language, basically, and everything, pick, you know, we pick it up from day one, basically. Um, so it's it's a long, long journey. We're going to, in a minute, look at some of the examples of people who've come a long way in that on that journey. Um, for now, I, I, would, um, I would argue that CEO communications is more important than ever. Uh, because also our culture has shifted away from the collective to the individual. And, you know, that may be good or bad, but I think it's a fact and social media has certainly amplified that. So the person at the top now of an organization is much more important than it used to be. Uh, the organization used to be in the limelight, you know, it used to be IBM or uh, used to be uh, Mercedes-Benz or Coca-Cola. Today, you know, we look at the person at the top and that's even more true for young organizations. So for startups, that's particularly true because their brand hasn't been well established. But but equally for you know established organizations who look at that as a, as a vehicle to you know promote the brand and be sure to build trust out there. So basically, what we're saying is that the CEO really matters. <laughs> totally, yeah. And I know it may be a cliche by now, but authenticity is key on social media in the real world at events, whenever you encounter the CEO. So you can't fake authenticity for too long. You can get away with it for a little bit of time. But um, it's it's really crucial that the CEO or the person at the top takes ownership and you know establishes the principles of communications and establishes the principles and, and what's behind his personal brand or her personal brand. So as, as you mentioned, sometimes there's a temptation to hand it over to you know, the agency, to hand it over to the communications team, the marketing team. But really what's needed is that the person at the top takes ownership of this topic. And what do you think it really means to be authentic um, in this day and age? Because I think it's one of these words now that has been kind of like overused and people say, oh, we must be authentic, but it's like, what is authenticity? How can you really um, find the key principles or values that define you? What I tell people um, when we coach CEOs and coach leaders, what we tell them is think about what your passions are. Think about what your values are. What are you? What do you want to stand for? You know, I'm the person who. And really work from those first principles because the person has usually beliefs and values and passions and all these things and that should you know that should be the core of the identity the core of authenticity it's all there it's just often not visible anymore underneath all the corporate fluff or the concerns or you know the decades of holding boring presentations you have to tease out what's actually there and get people to think about the core of the identity and values and I think that's probably very important to get to the core of what you stand for, particularly in like crisis situations, because then, you know, everything's going pear shaped. You don't have time to kind of build your narrative in those kinds of high pressure situations. You need yeah. to know already who you are and how you communicate and do things. Indeed. And I think especially in crisis situations, that's where the truth comes out. I mean, when you look at two different aircraft crashes of the last few years, the sort of German wings crash in 2015, German's subsidiary of Lufthansa, the CEO of Lufthansa went out, faced the music. His value was, I take responsibility for whatever happens in my company from the first second. It's not about whose fault it is at this, at this stage. It's really about showing that you care, showing that you have empathy and that you will do everything in your power to prevent this from happening again. Now, compare that to the current Boeing crisis last year, this year, with the two crashes of the 737 MAX, you see the complete opposite, hiding, diminishing, you know, denying, deflecting, um, all the things a communicator, a CEO should not do and 
and we will look at that when we talk about crisis communications at that case study. But it just shows that the CEO is such an important person in a crisis situation. Uh, do you go out and face the music or do you hide behind statements? That's the question. Do you think there's ever a case for you know hiding behind um, the scenes a little bit or do you think all CEOs really need to, I guess, step up to the mic? I think most CEOs need to step up to the mic. There, there are certainly exemptions, and I think it's worth looking at individual cases and discussing to what extent. So it's not necessarily yeah. either or black or white. It's sort of um, to what extent should you be active? To what extent is it also useful to make that investment of time, money, and energy? But as a general rule, I think the default should be to go out and do it rather than not do, doing it and not going out. Uh, I think that's that's a change. And what's interesting is that we see today that a lot of uh, you know employees actually demand their CEOs to speak up and to be active. Um, Mark Burney of maybe you know known to some, he's the CEO and, and founder of Salesforce, which you know, is a huge company now in, in the US. And uh, he was actually he said himself, I'm not really an activist CEO. I was pushed by my employees. My people want me to speak out on a lot of um, social and societal issues, which is quite interesting. I think that's what a lot of CEOs face, especially if the workforce is fairly young and fairly urban. They just expect you to have values and not just to have values, but actually go out and you know use the influence and the cloud the company has and promote those values. I think that's slightly reflective of how society is changing as well as that people don't want to just work a nine to five job. People want to work for companies that they're passionate about, um, you know, work on causes that they really care about. And they're really looking for leaders or CEOs to really show the way and set an example and say that this is our company culture. I think that's super important. Yeah. This yes. whole like topic of CEO activism. It's not just about you as a CEO. It's about your company, your people and society. Right, yeah. And it's activism to the, you know, towards the outside world, but it's also uh, inside the company to build, to persuade, to take people with you. And that, that is true for startups, obviously, because, um, you know, those are young and fluid organizations, but it's also true for established large organizations. Why? Because they're under constant pressure to adapt, to change. And there's a lot about change management, but at the end of the day, this comes from the CEO. The CEO needs to talk to his or her own people and persuade them that the company needs to change, that it has to move with the times because it's in all of their interest. Any big organization that fails to change fast enough is under threat these days because there's so much disruption, there's so much um, fluctuation in the marketplace. People expect so much from companies now in various, various arenas that a CEO has to constantly persuade and convince people in the company come with me, I know the direction, I explain you why we need to move in this direction, even if it's uncomfortable. And let's face it, change is almost always uncomfortable, particularly in large organizations where there are structures and processes in place that prevent change. And that's a big, big task for CEOs today. And for that, only communications holds the key. And do you think it's internal communications that is maybe the most important thing then for CEOs? I think it may well become the most important thing for CEOs because we are moving to you know, the brave new workplace uh, where hierarchical organizations are um, no longer where people want to work and they find it hard to compete, I think, and will yeah. do so in the future for sure. So we're moving to more dynamic networks and dynamic networks require a lot more communication internally because you constantly have to adapt and, and persuade people and take them with you. Uh, and, and that needs to be the company culture. So not just the leader 
leader of an organization, but basically everyone, all the team leaders, every employee, everyone should be in, understand that communicating internally is, is key to move from hierarchical to dynamic. And I guess like even with things like social media, like it may seem like an external communication, but I guess like who are the people following you on Instagram or Twitter? Right. They're probably your employees and your stakeholders as well. So it's true. I mean, a huge part of the social media following of, of CEOs is, you know, our, our employees or people who, who think about applying to the company. So it's, it's you know, it's pr probably half, I would totally. say, if not more. You mentioned dynamic networks. What does that mean? It means that companies, modern companies today, and even more so in the future, do no longer live and work by you know, the hierarchical assumptions of the past, where you have a top-down approach, the leader communicates, dictat from the top, from the corner office, the C-suite, and things are just getting done or maybe not getting done. Today, we're moving to dynamic networks where there's less hierarchy. There's still hierarchy because you know companies and organizations need to function in some way, so roles need to be clear. But it's much more dynamic in the sense that people decide or people work on projects together. And that may not be one team working on project. That may be the dream team of everyone involved in the company coming together to work on a certain project. And I think a lot more motivation based. You know, people will be asked, do you fear this project? Do you want to work on this project? Are you motivated? And a lot of people will say, yeah, great, I want to work on this. And this is the best team you can have for the job. So it will be more flexible, more fluid. It means there's a lot of there are a lot of more demands on an organization to keep that going because it's way more unstructured, but in a good way, I think. And um, it will require a lot of courage to move into that direction, but I think the payoff will be there. And I think that really brings it back to the point that, yes, we're talking about CEO communications um, in this kind of series, but it's like CEO communications isn't just for CEOs, it's for future CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, people who want to lead teams, yeah. or people who really just want to, you know, do the best that they can at work and communicate in the best possible way with their colleagues. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's what we're trying to do over the next few weeks and uh, I hope people will enjoy it. Cool. So you've given us a really like good foundation for what CEO Communications is, why it's important, who it's for. I was curious, you are a CEO and founder yourself. Um, I guess what have been the biggest challenges and opportunities you've seen over the last five, ten years? I think one of the challenges as a CEO and founder is that everyone is different and people respond differently to different communication styles. So some need, uh, you know, gentle pressure. Others need encouragement. Others just want to be left alone and just spoken to once a week. Others need a lot of face-to-face uh, -face time and, and personal conversation. So to understand that everyone is different, um, to hire the right people who fit into the team and, you know, making the time energy available to communicating with everyone in the in the way they prefer because then you get the best out of people and i'm a strong believer that if you if you empower the team you know um it, it would just cascade through the organization and um i think everyone will feel more involved more encouraged everyone will produce better work that makes clients happy and the business will look after itself and when i started my career in a communications consultancy um it was actually you know top down terrible um people didn't communicate no one knew what was going on colleagues were just disappear you didn't know was the person sacked or did she leave or whatever whatever happened you just didn't know and you know i thought this is terrible for communications consultants this can't can't be right and this was one of the lessons i took from my first job and hopefully implemented it at eu so for sure so i guess really what you're saying is it's two-way street you always need to be listening and learning 
Exactly. Yeah, listening and learning. Um, it, it is a two-way street or multi-way street because you know you have all these different communications channels, and then encourage everyone in the organization to build their own communications channels. So for people to have coffee, to talk to each other, to to think about what what dynamic network could help us on that project, or what project should we go after next. Um, that's hugely, I think, empowering for everyone in the organization and also moves the organization forward at much higher speed. Did you ever have a light bulb moment where you kind of went, aha, this is how I do CEO communications or this is what works for me, a book or a mentor or something else? Yeah, I think, I think working with Andy Harrison at EasyJet uh, was a great CEO there, really the master of scale in so many businesses. And uh, he, he was on the podcast a few, a few months ago. Um, I learned a lot from him in terms of the clarity, uh, the direction, how you lead a massive organization that's spread over dozens of countries. Um, those were invaluable lessons, uh, which I learned from him. A lot of, took, took a lot of that on board. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing some of your own insights into CEO communications. Let's get into how people themselves can do it. The best part of doing this podcast is hearing from you or listeners. So if you have a guest wish list, a question for us on communications, or a topic you want us to deep dive into, then follow us on Twitter or Instagram and let us know. So that was the foundations of what CEO communications is and why it's so important today. We want to dive into now what you can do personally as an individual to really take your communications to the next level. Yeah, and the most important thing is probably passion. Passion is crucial, um, but passion here stands for as an acronym, and we're going to look at all the individual letters in a second. But let me just say that I'm convinced that everyone can become a great communicator. It's uh, it's possible for everyone, and we're going to look at some examples, but you have to have the passion. Because the goal is not to deliver a presentation or to hold a talk. The goal is always to inspire your audience, and for that, passion is your foundation. So passion really is your why. Passion lets you persuade others to work with you, to invest with you, to buy your product, to spend time with you, whatever it may be. So you need that passion. I couldn't agree more. I think everything that we do on a daily basis with CEOs, it only works if they're excited and enthusiastic and really want to take their communications to the next level. Yeah. And even doing this podcast, right? 32 weeks, 32 episodes on top of what we do on a daily basis. I yes. think you and I and the team couldn't <laughs> do it without a little bit of passion. There was a lot of passion also from the guests. I think without for their sure. passion, it would have been a really dull experience, which for sure wasn't. But we also have to conclude that passion isn't everything. It's yes, it's the foundation, but you need much more than passion to become a great communicator, let alone be you know, a great CEO and communicator at the same time. So what else do we need? And I think the first thing is practice. As I said, everyone can do it, but you really have to make it a priority, spend the time and the energy. Um, the trouble here we have often, and when we see this when we train people and do media training and CEO coaching, um, often there's resistance at first from their surroundings or from the people themselves saying that, uh, well, I communicate every day and you know this is something I can do. Well, we walk every day. It doesn't mean we're Olympic runners. So there's a real difference between being able to communicate, being able to talk to your, your people around you, for sure everyone can do that and being a top communicator there's a huge difference as i said like between you know someone who walks to the office or the olympic gold medalist and it's like even if you are really good at it you still need to put in that time every day to do just a little bit more and i remember when yeah. we spoke to rafaela ryan a couple of weeks or months ago now um she told us that she's now given like countless keynote speeches yes um 
nonetheless, she still takes the entire day before to prep, to go through it with her team, to, you know, recite it again and again and again until it's perfect. And then, um, you know, it's not about saying something off by heart, but it's about really feeling that message and knowing that it's really, truly what you believe when you say it out loud. Yeah, she's an excellent example. I mean, she's been successful in a number of companies now, founder, CEO. I think she learned from the best there. So when you look at Steve Jobs, for instance, who's considered to be one of the great corporate communicator the last few decades. Um, have a look at YouTube and his first TV interview. It was terrible. He was scared. There was no, you know, forget it. It was, it was horrible. But he drew the right conclusion from it, namely to practice and to get better and better. And you can see this over time, how he got better year by year, decade by decade. But even in the end, he would spend allegedly 200 hours preparing for a 20-minute product launch together with his team. So the effort has been there or was there for him definitely and, and so it needs to be for everyone who wants to achieve that it's true what they say practice makes perfect yeah absolutely so the next letter in our acronym is a and that stands for audience audience yeah you have to connect with the audience so you can be a great communicator but if there's no connection to the audience it's basically pointless um, you have to build trust with the audience. You have to make them want to listen to you. So you need to start with something that connects you to the audience, if it's public speaking or podcast, whatever it is, or a headline of, of a byline article. So grab someone's attention, grab the audience's attention and speak to them one by one or imagine that you speak to them one by one. Imagine one person you want to persuade or to inspire and do that and try to connect with that person. Definitely easier said than done, but I think a couple of the CEOs that we've spoken to previously on the podcast really nailed this. Can you think of one, maybe? Um, I, I think Anne Reichert. She was excellent at it. I mean, think of her TEDx talk. Think about the Ready School, where they you know, teach computer skills, IT skills to refugees. Uh, an amazing project, and she's convinced so many people with her passion, but also by just connecting with the audience. So she's a prime example for that. Totally agree. Um, and next is keep it short and simple. And as Leonardo da Vinci said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Right. What do you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> it is. And Volker Toom, you know, the, the head of the Aerospace Association, who was on the podcast a few months ago, said, kiss, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Um, same thing, Leonardo da Vinci's uh, quote, maybe I like that even better. But it's clear that people get annoyed by corporate fluff, by corporate speak. They don't want to have this avalanche of word salad, which you often see in press releases or corporate communications we just need to get away from that get over it keep it short keep it simple especially in the uh, day and age of social media that's so crucial but i think it's good practice in any case regardless of the medium and i think it's one of the hardest things to do is to really distill it down to its core and make your message as clear as possible in as few words as possible yeah think about what you want to say and then actually say it forget all definitely that. forget the rest and that's definitely going hand in hand with the next thing which is you know make it sticky like what's the thing that excites people People and they will remember in a couple of years or right you can have the passion you can connect to the audience you can keep it simple but if the message isn't sticky people would just not remember it they thought you know that was interesting but i've forgotten about it tomorrow so to have any impact you need to have sticky messages for sure and yeah. i really like the example of jörg reinbolt um, from apx who's done you know a myriad of things in his career but the one that always comes back when you google him when you talk to people that know him is oh isn't he the guy that got bill gates to speak at his event when yeah. he was a student 
learn. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah, ex exactly. So that, I mean, that was definitely sticky. And uh, I, from, from history, I'm thinking about Kennedy and his famous words that, you know, we should put a man on the moon and bring him safely back within the next 10 years. So simple, so sticky, so much passion, yeah. so much purpose in there. So brilliant example. Definitely. And of course, communication is not a one-way street. It needs to be interactive. Very much so, and even more so today. And uh, one example from the podcast, I think, is Doreen Huber, the CEO of Lemon Cat. Um, she, she was brilliant at it, wasn't she? I mean, uh, most of what we talked about was about sales and interactive communication internally. I think it's like incredible. I think even with her team now, they do drummers on a Friday afternoon, which is drinks and numbers so that everyone knows what's going on at the organization at the end of the week. But they do it in a, you know, an interactive way where people are relaxed in an environment where they feel comfortable to speak up. And I guess that goes back to, back to her sales background. You know, she knows you need to really interact and engage with a customer to get their buy-in. Yeah, I was, I was impressed by the level of transparency at Lemon Cat to share the numbers with every employee every week. I mean, that, that's a brilliant example. And there's lots of things you need to do as part of communication. But I think one thing people often forget is perseverance is key and it needs to be ongoing. So it can't be, okay, I'm just going to do it once and then, you know, spray and pray. You need to be working on those connections every day and keep getting in touch with people that you really care about and are part of your network. Just like Rotem Comelli does, you know, she does Clustered, which is about, you know, having these connections that you can continue to go back to. Um, and I think that's really important for CEO communication. Yeah, I mean, you have to step up to the mic and then, you know, stay at the mic and, and keep talking. You can't communicate enough as a leader. And I think people underestimate uh, how much time and effort they should be spending ideally on communications. And I think to sum it up, no negative talk. I mean, I think being a CEO is a really tough gig. I mean, we're not saying you can't ever have a bad day, but you overall need to have a positive outlook on life and really kind of cut through the bullshit. Right, yeah. And Sophie said, no bullshit. Uh, I, I really like that. Sophie Chung, the CEO of Kuna Medical, uh, who was on the podcast last winter. And as Lena just said, it doesn't mean that you can't criticize or can't point out things that are not working. Of course, you should point out things that are not working. That's your job as a CEO. But the reason we put this down is that people look at you as a leader, as a team leader, as CEO, uh, as someone who's leading uh, whatever purpose. People look at you and, and your mood is contagious. So if, if you communicate in a negative way, if you have negative aura, people will take that on board and will internalize it and it spreads through the organization. And the other reason is that often when we prepare for media interviews with CEOs, they are in a negative mode because their job is often to point out problems, to fix problems, and they spend 90% of the day fixing problems and pointing out problems, analyzing problems. That's not a good idea. When you go into a media interview, you need to be positive. You need to focus on all the good things in the company, of which they usually a lot. And in that moment, it's your job to sell these and to make the case and argue the case for the company. But that takes a mental switch, which, which requires some training. Totally agree. I think the intrinsic motivation there, and it goes back to, you know, being passionate and loving what you do and wanting to go in every day with a positive outlook. So just to sum up, passion stands for practice audience, short and simple, sticky, interactive, ongoing, and no negative talk. It's certainly nuanced, but write it down on your wall, you know, stick it up above your computer and look at that every day. I feel like you could really take your communications to the next level with Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, communications requires effort and training, but it's not complicated at the end of the For day. sure.
Listen up, we've got some exciting news for you. We launched our EO Ipsos CEO Playbook this week. If you want the latest news and insights on the communications trends you need to take your game to the next level or keep on doing what you've been doing well, then head over to our website, eoipsocommunications.com to subscribe. So for this first part of our CEO playbook, we've talked about CEO communications and really the foundations of why it's important. Um, Then we've given people, I guess, a few of our favorite key principles to follow under the guise of passion um, with some of the examples from our Speak Like a CEO podcast. If people still aren't convinced that this series is for them, what do you have to say to them? Well, I hope uh, we've been able to convince people at least to lend us an ear because communication is crucial at the end of the day. Why, you know, take it back to first principles? Because we are social animals, we're political animals, we interact with other people all the time. We're not lone wolves. And uh, it's interesting that the person who coined that phrase, Aristotle, also wrote the book The Art of Rhetoric, which is really the first seminar book on, on you know, communications if you like, and it's still valid today in many parts. And uh, also technology supercharges communication. So on the one hand, um, you know, there are obviously risks involved with digital communications, but let's face it, you know, everyone with their phone can reach pretty much everyone else on the planet as long as they have something interesting, meaningful and valuable to say. And that opportunity alone, I think, or hope, motivates people to spend a little bit of time thinking about communications. I think the key thing is really to not be afraid about communication because everyone has to do it. Right. So you may as well do it as best as you humanly can. Yeah, and it's fun at the end of the day. You know, being able to communicate well means you can have meaningful connections, you have friendships, you have love in your life, you have passions in your life. So I think it's it's such a valuable tool we have as human beings and we should be grateful for it and, and hone it. For sure. And here at Europe so comms, I feel like we you know, share a lot about our approach to communications online. Where can people find us? We are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, we are on YouTube, we're present in all the channels, and I personally, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, uh, Lena, remind me, what's next? So next up, we'll be talking about strategy, we'll be deep diving into, you know, how you create the perfect communication strategy, and I guess disseminate that. Exactly. So um, strategy is so important because it will guide all the actions. So I think in the subsequent shows, we're going to talk about the activities, the actions, the responses. But first of all, you need a strategy so you know which direction you want to move to. And leaving people with a final piece of CEO communications advice. Final piece of communications advice, I think I borrow a quote from ben Horowitz, by Ben Horowitz, who's a uh, you know, well-known founder and author. He said in The Hard Thing About Hard Things, which talks a lot about communications, quite, quite a fa- famous book, as a company grows, communication becomes its biggest challenge. So aim into that and I uh, hope that gives everyone reason to stay tuned. I love it. Well, thank you everyone for listening to episode one of the EU episode CEO playbook. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the EO Ipso Communications CEO Playbook. This episode was hosted by Lena Carlson and Oliver Oust with editing by Bianca Marine. On our next episode, we will be diving into what makes the perfect communication strategy. Got a question for us? Head over to our website, eoipsocommunications.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at eoipsocoms. See you next time.